the PlayCube Gamecast. I'm your host, Chase, and today I have a very special guest host all the way from the Listoff. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Ryan of Listoff. Uh, glad to be here. Thanks for the invite, Chase. I wouldn't have it any other way with this topic, man. I am so happy to be here for this topic specifically. Yeah, because today we are ranking all of the Marvel Disney Plus TV shows from pretty much 2021 to 2022. Yeah, yeah. Specifically, yeah, good thing to mention the Disney Plus ones because, uh, you know, I don't want to give too too much away here, but uh, I do believe the Netflix ones are superior to many of the Disney Plus shows, personally. Hey, now. <laughs> You're not wrong. Okay, cool, cool. I will admit Iron Fist is a weaker character compared to everyone else. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. Like, I, I don't feel like the Netflix depiction did him justice, right? Like he's a, he's an interesting character and he definitely is a pretty solid tier of power, but they, man, they did not do that character justice in those Netflix shows for sure. But here for the Disney plus shows, I feel like most of these characters portrayed have brought a huge amount of justice to their comic variant. Yeah, no, I definitely think they're accurately portrayed. Disney, you know, it's it's funny because some of these shows have complaints lobbied against them. And it's not that they're not justified, but these are comic book shows, right? So they might get a little comic booky and a little corny. And, like, that should be expected from this sort of thing, especially with, like, as you mentioned, with some of the characters they're bringing in. Like, it's it's an accurate portrayal of how they are in their respective comic books hey anytime you could drop in howard the duck you already know you're gonna have a corny time oh for sure (laughs) so what we're doing is ranking these shows well these whole i have seven because i don't really have a place for what if it's just more of a oh hey here's a special side animated tv show that provided a lot of clickbait articles when it came out. <laughs> yeah, so I, I did rank What If. I'll take it out of my rankings if you'd rather do it that way. Uh, I I think I was probably higher on What If than a lot of people would be. Mm-hmm. I know, um, you know people always point to that one scene. Uh, I think spoilers for all of these shows is fair to say, right? Oh, yes, <laughs> definitely. Huge okay. spoilers for every single Disney Plus TV show. Yeah. So, you know, it kind of does have an overarching story to what if. And uh, a lot of people point to when, you know, Ultron Vision, right, was acquiring all the stones and he just like (laughs) cuts Thanos in half in the blink of an eye. And like, that's the meme about the show and sloppy writing and this and that. But like, at the end of the day, it took you to really cool places in the multiverse that you wouldn't see outside of a show that's structured like what if. So I... I thought the animation was stellar. I really got a lot out of that show. It was nice seeing uh, Sharon Carter turning into Captain Carter. And for that character specifically to return in the uh, Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. yeah, That that was was a fun addition. That was a fun nod of what if. It was like, oh, hey, that's cool. Yeah, it was very, very cool. 
uh, I'm going to do my comic book uh, store from the Simpsons guy and be like, uh, actually, because it was Peggy Carter, not Sharon Carter. <laughs> but uh, sorry to do that. Sorry to be that guy. That yeah, for sure, dude. Uh, sorry to be that guy, man. <laughs> I should have let it go. <laughs> you know, that's fair. Okay. All right. So top seven. Wait. Top seven. We're going straight from the very bottom. Let's go with our number seven. Ryan, would you like to go first? I don't know if I'd like to, but I, I guess that's how it's got to be because um, I might. I, I have a feeling like my list is going to be different from yours and different from what the popular opinion is. Uh, I'm gonna be honest with you: the newer 2022 shows are heavy on the bottom side of this list. Yeah, I mean, I would. I think that's fair, uh, but not my. Not the very bottom. The very bottom for me is for the Falcon and Winter Soldier, which is kind mm-hmm. of ironic. Yeah, because so Captain America is my favorite character of anything ever, right? I, I just think yeah. um, uh, I was just talking about him on another show where I just point, pointed out that like he's not just a soldier who follows orders. He always does the right thing unquestionably, right? Like unwavering yeah. no matter what the cost he does. So I, I do – I do really hold that character in high regard. Uh, my personal bias for uh, the character aside, this show just kind of fell flat for me. Uh, I had maybe it was I, I, my expectations were a little too high going in, but it was a very muddied plot, uh, a forgettable villain. I mean, I, I remember really liking the ending of the show. I thought it ended really well. That finale episode was good, but up until that point, it was like, I didn't really care about anything happening on the screen. It was all very readable. You saw everything coming way before it happened. Uh, It did show aspects of like the life after the Avengers, right? There was that Mm -hmm. whole, I I thought that was cool to bring it back down to earth. How um, Falcon was struggling with financial problems because Tony Stark was no longer there to like back the team. So seeing that side of things was cool, but they it was really nothing more than like a mention and didn't have any weight to the story in truth. So I don't know. I felt like there was way more potential than what this show was able to accomplish. So that's yeah. fair. Whenever I think about the Falcon and Winter Soldier, is this could have been a movie expanded on. Like if it wasn't a weekly release. Mm-hmm. This would have been like the perfect bingeable show. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it would have been like a long, nice long movie. Yeah, yeah. I. Hmm. You're not changing your list, are you? <laughs> All right. I didn't come here to change minds. I just came here to express my own, dude. <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, damn, you're not wrong. Like, I appreciate the villains it. are forgettable, but some of the villains are also really good too. Some. There are unexpected twists that I did not see coming. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to save that for my placement of that show. Cool, cool. Fuck, I don't want to say much now. <laughs> You're not going to offend me with your pick or anything, dude. <laughs> you uh, know, Like, we're probably going to have different lists, but uh, yeah. yeah. So, I have Miss Marvel as my bottom seven. I think that's very fair. The whole TV show has an amazing cast. I appreciate that. I do like that they introduced Kamala Khan as a mutant. How her original comic powers are from the uh, rubbery enlargement of your limbs and stuff. 
yeah. that turned into a more cosmic powered kind of thing. I appreciated that. It's more, uh, it's more visually appealing, but really, it's just more of the antagonists that bring the whole show down. Mm-hmm. It's like we have two major antagonists, like the DODC, the Department of Damage Control. Mm-hmm. Then we have the the clandestines, who are like, we need your help, and Kamala Khan's just like, all right, cool, I can help you out. Just give me a few days. Then the clandestines turn around the next day and it was like, she's taking too long. We need to get her now. We're going to kidnap her. We're going to rip her out. Yeah. We're going to take her powers by force if necessary. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, for sure. (laughs) Head banging against a wall kind of madness. Like, oh my God, you were just there. You had everything you needed. All you needed was more time. Yeah, I remember having that specific feeling watching it as well. I was like, wait a minute, didn't last episode, didn't they just say like they were going to give her time? She's very willing to help them, you know, uh, and I don't I don't know why they they forced that. I don't know, maybe to show that they're actually just like really evil, but it didn't seem earned at all. And I, I find that pretty tiring as well when people are like, oh, they're doing bad things because they're bad people right that's not the best reason this is like you asking a buddy hey can you give me a lift to the target to pick up a game and he's like sure i'm at work give me like five hours and i'll be home to pick you up and you're like no i'm gonna go out there i'm gonna steal a car and run you down at work just for not taking me to target our friendship is over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a good analogy. Um, it's actually for that reason. It's it's my number six. Uh, I found it pretty sloppy. I, I as you mentioned, cast stellar. Uh, it did some really cool visual things with like graffiti and her little like notebook and and her drawings in it and bringing them to life on the screen for the viewer. I thought that was neat. Um, I thought going to like Pakistan. Uh, was really cool in India. I, and the, the element they brought in of the true history of those two nations. Um, yeah, like the partition of India in 1947. Yeah. That was amazing. Like I had no idea that it was a thing until this show. Yeah, same, same. Um, so when they did get into that, like that moment, those two episodes where it kind of crossed over two of them, like I got chills for some of that stuff. You know, you really they really expressed like, the plight that those people felt at the time. Uh, And that was beautifully told, surprisingly uh, beautifully told from an MCU show. You really wouldn't expect that level of storytelling, but, but outside of that, it, it was also look. it's not a knock on this show or these characters at all. It's just as in general, I don't like, I don't watch a lot of comedies by choice. I don't like, choose to watch a lot of teen dramas by choice and this this show as a whole was a a teen drama comedy so it just wasn't necessarily something that would have been up my alley i with this show and the next one we'll talk about it's something that i watched because it was a marvel show and honestly these bottom three are interchangeable you know i could easily see falcon and the winter soldier being higher up in my tier list than this or or the next one as well, any given day. Um, Because you brought up some good points very vaguely. 
But as soon as you mentioned him, I'm like, you know what? I did like the way Falcon and Winter Soldier per- portrayed uh, Baron Zemo. Like, that was great. He was great in that show. Um, so, yeah, these bottom three, I think there's a, a very clear line after these to the rest of my list. Hmm. Well, shit, I think we just covered your number six, too. We did. We did, man. I didn't mean to throw it back on you so quickly. So, I will also say that for Miss Marvel, the DODC, mm-hmm. like their lead agent in the field, Miss Sadie Deaver, she was a terrible agent, and she deserved every bit of punishment she got towards the end. Oh, yeah, absolutely. She was, like, very malicious, and it's like, you're dealing with children, you know? Like, why are you, like, raiding their school, dude? <laughs> like, it was it was tough, yeah. Like, seriously, who sends armed drones to a high school? Right? They were, like, seriously, this lady was ready to, like, murder Kamala Khan. What? Uh, what are you doing? And there's always that vague, like, barely under the surface, like, these are terrorists. We're going to kill them all. I know. And and they did play into that, like, the um, xenophobia, right, that a lot of people felt towards anybody Middle Eastern uh, for a good chunk of the 2000s. And many people probably still feel that way to this day. Uh, I am glad that they did kind of touch on that. But... Yeah, the depiction of the agent was was a it was it was a lot. She was a lot. It's like uh what's the biggest red flag you can paint on an agent? <laughs> right. Like a federal agent like that. Oh my gosh, right? When she went into like the the mosque and was just like berating people, it was like, dude, chill out. Like you said, you don't belong in there. What are you doing, you know? It's yeah. But you know, I think I also think it's important to shed light on that sort of thing. Um, I am not Middle Eastern. I'm not uh, Indian or Pakistani. I don't know what life is for like for someone uh, who lives in America, uh, who who has that background. And I am I'm sure things like this occur. I'm sure for no reason people will dislike you, and that's not right. It's 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 got to be tough with that sort of stuff thrown in your face. Uh, just trying to go about your daily life, you know? Yeah, exactly. On the plus side for Miss Marvel, I guess that's really it. <laughs> yeah. I will say it was cool how the one girl who like hated her, right, as a Kamala Khan, ended yeah. up being like the biggest Miss Marvel fan and was like, oh, I knew all along and like ended up helping them at the end. It's I, I profess I don't enjoy teen dramas, but at that point I was like, yeah, like way to go, girl, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that has, like, major, like, Flash Thompson, Spider-Man, Peter Parker vibes, you know? For sure, for sure. But it also works out, so that's pretty much, like, a very solid plus. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, the last plus thing for Ms. Marvel was uh, introducing the gins. That was a fun twist. Yeah, yeah, I I think it was. I can't really remember it, I'm sorry. I mean, most of these these shows, and Marvel has, like, a huge... uh, has a huge uh, library of different cultures to pick and choose from, and they mm-hmm. do it willingly. Like mm-hmm. with my number six pick, Moon Knight. Oh, wow. Where they bring in like the Egyptian gods, and they're yeah. like, we're going to go with you, we're going to go with you, and cherry pick almost everything. Yeah. All right, so tell us about Moon Knight. So first things first, Oscar Isaacs is an amazing actor. He betrays both Mark Spector and Stephen Grant with such convincingness that 
I had no idea which one was the real person and which one's the altar. Mm-hmm. Like these both people can both work in this world. And it has a very authentic realness to it with the past abuse of the child. Oh yeah. And everything else, like him being a mercenary, him trying to find like random lost artifacts like your Lara Croft. Everything works, including for some strange reason, like the Egyptian god granting powers. I mean, I guess that works too. Sure, why not? Just <laughs> toss it in there. But let's be real. Ethan Hawk as uh, Arthur Harrow, the cult leader, he's like every single cult leader and dictator all rolled up into one person and just becomes boring as like a main villain. He's like, grab my arm. And we'll find out whether or not you're good or bad in the future. Right, right. Oh, no, you're bad and not to have balance? Guess you die now. That's right. You can never be change your mind, right? Like That's the whole argument this show is making, is that it's predetermined, right? Yeah, like it's your fate that you're going to die here. Right. Then there's Kanji. He's like, I protect the travelers of the night <laughs> by committing murder. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I gosh, I, I know I, I'll talk about this show, uh, so I don't want to give too much away. But I, I, I did like um, how they portrayed Kanchu a whole lot. Okay. I thought, uh, I thought the way he's like, oh, just like you said, oh, by committing murder, right? And they expressed that brutality, and they also expressed how nobody who witnesses it, or even you know, Mark himself who commits it is comfortable with it. They're all like, yeah, this is really bad. Like I'm not really a hero. Right. Like, and I thought that was a cool dynamic to bring in the fact that like, that violence doesn't sit well with anybody. Hmm. I know the early action scenes when you're switching between both of the altars, Mm -hmm. he was like, I want to see some of the action too, guys. I'm the viewer. I want to know what's going on. Right. Right. That's true. Yeah. You did get a few like, he wakes up all of a sudden and he's in an unknown location and you don't get to see anything that happened before that. And yeah, that's a good point. Imagine passing out in London and waking up in the Alps of like central <laughs> Europe in a van speeding down a mountain way and you have blood on you and you're just like, what the fuck is going on guys? <laughs> I can't imagine like, yeah, it would be a, a difficult thing uh, to deal with for sure. Uh, okay, there's a bunch of Egyptian gods, right? How is it that only Kanchu and Talwet only have the best avatars ever? Everyone else, all the Ra's and the Isis, their avatars clearly suck. Mm-hmm. Like, they can't survive a battle with a cult leader and his thousand-man army. Well, didn't they portray it like they wouldn't? Uh, get involved like they almost saw themselves above it they were the council ruling over these like lesser gods right and they were like look you guys need to resolve this stuff we're we're staying out of it kind of thing Um, but clearly you need the power to back it up though right right yeah which they they did not choose their avatars wisely (laughs) it's like sure hercules is sorry sure zeus is Russell Crowe of a Thunderbolt, but at least he still had the Thunderbolt. Right, right. Oh, let's uh, let's not go down that road, huh? 
what was that accent that Russell Crowe was trying in uh, Love and Thunder? Greek. Like that was full on Greek. Yeah, I mean, I suppose, I suppose it was. Uh, he tried. There was, was an effort hilarious. made. It was it just... hilarious. Did you like Love and Thunder? I I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, you know it's funny. I waited till Disney Plus, and I had heard so many bad things about it, but it's a fun movie. I was fine with it. I was like, oh, this isn't nearly as bad as everybody makes it out to be. Because uh, Love and Thunder really just dives deep into the comedy route. Mm-hmm. Because, I don't know, it just kind of works more for Thor, really, than the early two, I'm a serious Shakespearean actor. Oh, 100%. Yeah, like Ragnarok and Love and Thunder are much easier to watch. And I think they benefit Chris Hemsworth as an actor, too, because <laughs> those first two movies were a bit... Yeah, bit much. Bit bit too serious. Yeah. All right. So I guess we're moving on to number five. Number five. Uh my number five is uh She Hulk. Oh really? It is, yeah. Gosh. It's it, and it kinda to echo what I said about Miss Marvel. I feel really bad putting these two back to back on like the bottom tier. Uh because I do enjoy shows with female leads. Like I just watched House of the Dragon and really really great and you know i even probably an unpopular opinion enjoyed the rings of power um as well it had its shortcomings <laughs> definitely but like it was it was entertaining enough uh but getting back to the mcu yeah unfortunately i had to put she hulk as number five i enjoyed it another situation where if it weren't a marvel show i probably wouldn't watch it had some really cool Easter eggs to to lesser known characters in the comic books, and you know it, it bringing back the abomination was cool and everything. But I don't I don't really enjoy law dramas, which this barely was, by the way, a law drama. But it's not the show I seek out. I know you feel otherwise, Chase. I know you love your <laughs> Law and Order, dude. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I, this might be higher up on your list, but uh, I'm also, as I mentioned, not the biggest fan of comedies. And like, this was a cute show, but it wasn't for me. It was quirky. It was cute. It was funny. I thought uh, the actress who played She-Hulk, just Tatiana Maslany, she knocked it out the park. Like okay. 100% perfect casting in that. That's uh, the, the thing pe- about all these Disney Plus shows. Yeah. The casting always works. They're always top tier. Mm-hmm. Oh, without question. And this was no exception. It's just, I, th- you know, it was like you got seeing Daredevil again was great. Uh, that was really cool. And I'm not offended by their portrayal of Daredevil whatsoever. Like, I'm not, I don't know. A lot of people get up in arms about silly things. But as I mentioned before, it's a comic book show, dude. Like, chill out. Yeah. Uh, have a good time with it. And I did have a good time with this. Um, just not as in tune with what I actively enjoy watching and seek out as some of the shows that are higher up in my, on my list. Um, That's fair. Yeah. I, I, and I do want to just come out and say, I enjoyed each and every one of these shows. Like I would watch through each and every one of them again. So even my number seven isn't to say it's a bad show, right? It's not to say like, Oh, this sucks. I'll never watch it again. No. Like if my wife said like, Hey, Let's watch Falcon and Winter Soldier again. Sure. Why not, dude? Like, I loved that show. So, uh, and it's the same for She-Hulk. I had a great time with it. Um, they do some really incredible things with the uh, finale, for sure. But, yeah, you know, I I never really was a f- 
like I never read She-Hulk comics. So a lot of the stuff that occurred in the show just didn't have any weight to me personally. Mm. I think it's safe to say that I've never read any Marvel comics outside of a couple <gasps> Spider-Man issues. What? And like a few of the uh, graphic novel collections of Daredevil. Mm. Nice. Nice. So I could definitely know what it's like being like, oh, hey, I have no idea what's going on. But you know what? I'm also kind of here for it. Yeah, I'm I'm more I'm like that guy. I grew up reading comic books, so as soon as they throw in like the immortal, I'm like, oh, like actually this guy in issue blah, blah you know, it was like, uh, uh, I I tend to catch the Easter eggs, I guess wait, you could wait, say. Wait. Yeah. Let's talk about Mister Immortal real quick, <laughs> because this guy is just a hilarious character. He's just like, oh hey, I don't I can't die, so anytime I run into a problem in my life suicide yeah oh gosh right he just kills himself and flatlines and then he's like legally dead so he's not tied to any of those things that got him in trouble in the first place i thought that was pretty funny Uh, and he did that to have like what (laughs) 11 wives and one husband yeah 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 i thought that and then they all got in the same room and it was like chaos right that was pretty funny the actor uh, for Mr. Immortal. It was bugging me. I'm like, man, I know this guy from something. Uh, he was in the last season of, uh, well, actually not the Mandalorian, <laughs> the book of Boba Fett he was in. Um, really? Yeah. He played the, uh, Twi'lek, Twi'lek, uh, the one who was, um, the mayor, you know, there's like the mayor of, uh, gosh, oh my God, dude, what is wrong? Moss Eisley. Um, and he had like his little secretary guy who, who was a, Twi'lek and any same actor anyway yeah okay that makes sense I honestly this is like the first time I've seen him like Mr. Immortal just like a character I'm like who is this let me look him up who the hell is the Salt Lake Avengers right <laughs> what is this like some kind of D tier of like superheroes <laughs> I guess it is it actually is it uh it's very cool for that reason uh I love when they show storylines that involve like uh the Great Lakes Avengers or you know even Squirrel Girl all these like B to D which like Squirrel Girl is actually pretty powerful but yeah these like lower level and and they really always have a funny take on those characters you know uh what was the new mutants was like that uh in like the early 2000s and stuff and yeah yeah it's fun like i'll get on to the she hulk later but almost all the cameos work on a nice level here okay if you say so (laughs) no i think uh, they do my number five i have wanda vision this is a bold move to make because this, this is, is me bold. saying I have four other shows that are better than WandaVision. Yeah, this is bold. I'll agree with that, man. All right, so let's go with the bold first. I mean, the pros first. We have Wanda dipping onto full villain territory. She literally hijacks an entire town. We have two visions. <laughs> we have the makeshift. I'm held together by duct tape soul vision, if you will, the original one, the full one in full color. Then we have the rebuilt white vision. (laughs) (laughs) So they go head to head. And earlier on, the actor, Paul Bettany, was like, in this show, I'm going to act against my favorite actor. (laughs) And it turns out it's a mirror. Oh, that's so funny. (laughs) And they're like, hmm, we're both equally strong, but we're also the same vision. But what about the ship of Theseus? If I rebuild the same ship... Is it still the same ship? 
I thought that was cool. I thought that was very cool because it makes sense given that they are like a logical being. Like, a, I mean, one of them, the rebuilt, the white vision, not to get them confused, was a, a he was a brand new android. So he yeah. only knew how to think logically. So it made sense that the, the way to get him is to get him think outside of that box, right? Yeah, because they were like, huh, my mission is to kill the vision, but. I am the vision. Right. Fuck it. I'm going to be the vision and just fly on out of here. And we never see white vision ever again. That's right. Never to be seen again. I can't wait till phase 11 when he finally shows back up. (laughs) Oh my God. It's the same white vision. He just draped in a gold cloak now. (laughs) Right. Then we have the adult Monica Rambo coming in, getting cosmic powers. Then we have returned actors Darcy Lewis and Jimmy Woo coming back in. Jimmy Woo has a nice little uh, nice little character arc compared to his appearance in Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp, where he's like, huh, magic. I'm learning magic. Boom! I know magic. Yeah. Yeah, you could tell he was practicing in the between time, right? And the whole part of uh, the whole main villain being Agatha Harkness, the one secretly manipulating Wanda behind the scenes, that works. Because she's like, you are the Scarlet Witch. You have all this power. And it comes naturally to you. And I had to study for centuries? Fuck you, Wanda. I want your power now. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. I thought, too. Uh, it was Agatha all along. <laughs> <laughs> but then the other stuff that just kind of just falls flat, all right? We have Tyler Hayward. He's introduced as the leader of S.W.O.R.D. And he's like, this guy's going to be a villain, isn't he? Turns out, yeah. He rebuilt Vision. He's like, you're white Vision now. Go out and kill. He takes every chance he can to kill Wanda. Because according to him, Wanda is like this radical Hydra terrorist who was secretly embedded in the Avengers to tear them apart. And it's like, Jesus Christ, dude. Calm the fuck down. Yeah, that's he, he took it a little too far. But I mean, you've seen Multiverse of Madness. Was he wrong about Wanda? Was he? But this whole show is just the tipping point. It's like, okay, Wanda. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. You're going to go full villain next time we see you. That's right. It was. It was. The original design for this show, the whole... We're going to move through different eras of television. That got old really fast. I'm not going to lie. Like the first three episodes, just like, can you <laughs> on, please? Yeah. It's been three weeks. I want to know what's going on. Right. Right. Like I, I never watched Bewitch. I never watched the Brady Bunch. We don't need to see it here. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't know what goes on in Full House, but it definitely isn't this. <laughs> I could I could see why you feel this way. I'm trying to I'm tr- if you haven't noticed I'm trying to hold my thoughts on the show. I know cuz I know you're coming up with it later and I'm just like It's all this good, dude. All Agatha. Right. <laughs> but one of the best and worst things was the uh look out in the background. You could find Mephisto in the background. He's hiding. He's a fly in the distance. And they're like they're finding him and he's not there. You're just all disappointed, but fuck it. We still need Mephisto somewhere because he's a Marvel character. Yeah, there was a lot of... I feel like that's on the fandom. You know, uh, the showrunners didn't really... I guess by having the witchcraft 
take place. They kind of alluded to it. But aside from that, like uh, there were not even clues. Like you just had a lot of fans finding things that weren't there and being like, Oh, it's Mephisto. Oh, Mephisto's coming. It's gotta, there's a red light on the radio and it's, it sounds like people are trying to, to, it's gotta be Mephisto. And what are, what are these commercials? It's gotta be Mephisto. And it's like, well, it doesn't have to be like, if you stop and actually think about it and like, don't try to will Mephisto into existence, uh, it, it didn't have to be Mephisto. And as it ends up, he wasn't here. I will say the uh, advertisements, like the middle commercial breaks, those were hilarious. Oh, yeah. Those were really cool and like unsettling, too. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like these are definitely like real products that could have happened. <laughs> right. Right. I do think they will introduce Mephisto at some point. And then they'll, watch, they'll probably tie it back to this show and be like, he was there as the fly and blah, blah, blah. And I'll look like a complete idiot for saying like, oh, I think they were finding something that wasn't there. <laughs> uh, one last thing for uh, WandaVision is that Evan Peters was cast as like a fake Pietro really his name is Ralph Boner and it's just a very it's a very subtle and well, not really subtle it's like beating you with a hammer kind of an easter egg for the Fox acquisition like oh hey here's the former Quicksilver he's playing MCU's fake Quicksilver let's go yeah this is the one this is the part of the show that fell fl- flat for me. Uh, I was really, I, I like Evan Peters as an actor. I think he's phenomenal. I think the way he played Quicksilver in those Fox movies was just knocked it out the park. Uh, I like him. Have you, have you ever seen Mayor of Easttown? It's on HBO Max. Highly recommend it. Him and Kate Winslet. It's a great show. But a little like miniseries. Real good though. A murder mystery. Anyway. Okay. Uh, murder mystery it's right up your alley right law and order murder mysteries like you gotta like that sort of thing anyway this just ah oh, it was so disappointing that they were like just kidding he's like the stoner neighbor named ralph boner it it was such a slap in the face dude uh yeah it did not feel good did not feel good i think we should move on to your number four okay all right from here on out it's all top tier i will say that much uh these are the cream of the crop, in my opinion. So my number four is Hawkeye. I, really? yeah, yeah. It's not low. Like number four not is not low. Not <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, it's street level New York City MCU, and that is always a good mix. I uh, love the portrayal of an aging Hawkeye and how reluctant he was to have a protege. It's a good adaptation of a better comic book storyline. But still a ton of fun uh, with good combat, and it really did a good job of getting you invested in the characters. Way better than the shows that I mentioned previously. And you really wanted Hawkeye to get home for Christmas, you know? And you really wanted Kate Bishop to, like, find her calling and become the next step in, in, in being Hawkeye. And you, the whole passing of the torch and... Just everything I, I enjoyed everything about this show. Having it take place around Christmas time, seeing all the decor around New York City was cool, and I, I think bringing Echo into it was good. It maybe made the show feel a little overcrowded at times, mm. like they were just trying to do too much. I am glad they're doing an Echo series. I think that character deserves her own series. I think it's an extremely interesting character and really well played, but. 
it almost didn't get the time like that character didn't get the time she deserved because it was like kind of thrown into a Hawkeye show. And it, I, I just wish we got to see more of Echo and I know we will. I know we will. I know that's a very minor complaint because she, as I mentioned, she does have her own show coming, but even the resolution at the end for her with Kingpin is kind of a, a misdirection because now we know Kingpin's coming back in the new daredevil <laughs> series. So uh, her revenge apparently was not successful, which like, uh, man, that kind of feels like a slap in the face too. But uh, as a whole, this show was entertaining throughout. Uh, not a whole lot of mystery going on. It kind of kept you guessing like who was the villain and how big certain people's involvement was, right? Like they, they talked about Kate, Kate Bishop's family and kind of had a slight misdirection. Like they could have been heavily involved Uh in being the main villain of the storyline and that that didn't work out, Mm. but it's cool that they kept you guessing enough that you really didn't know where, where it would go by the time the finale came and And the big reveal of Kingpin being there was earned. It felt earned. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's a great show. I mean, I would not fault anyone for having it higher up on their list. It's, it's like I said, these four are top tier in my opinion. Oh yeah. It's like these four, these are coming for are like, the top of the tiers, like these are just minor nitpicks coming mm-hmm. forward. Yeah. Okay, maybe three, but Wow. <laughs> maybe. Like for Hawkeye, I understand. Yeah, like this is a very solid time. This is a very setting appropriate. It's literally New York on Christmas. So it works out on a nice weekly schedule of like the November release. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're leading on to Christmas itself. And you're just like, oh hey. Everything's going good. Everything's vibing. Yeah. Then you bring up subtle mentions towards uh, Kingpin, like the big guy, the mm-hmm. guy behind the scenes. And you're just like, yeah, that does make sense. What has Kingpin been doing all this time? Laying low, but building that army, apparently. Some of the cool arrows uh, were like the arrow effects were neat too, to see that, you know. And um, the Russians were the, what the, the, Tracksuit Mafia, bro, bro. That was funny. That was funny, uh, too. Trust a bro to help move your shit. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Hey, bro. You listen to me, bro. That was great. I mean, Kazi has, like, the great value brand. Jon Snow was a hilarious act. <laughs> right. That's a good way to put it. All the arrows were fun. They are like, all right, you're going to help me build some arrows. What does this do? Oh, that doesn't do anything. What does this one do? Do not touch that arrow. Put it back down. Right. Right. There was that cool bridge scene too, where like he shot an arrow up and then she shot his arrow with the like Ant-Man kind of enlarger, right? Like the giant man piece. That was neat. I thought that like, yeah, it did some fun things, some really cool things. Yeah. I think the ending scene for Hawkeye though, like that final, like the final cliffhanger mid credit scene being Rogers the musical was just hilarious. (laughs) yeah the whole rogers the musical thing was great dude but I, I am glad you brought up the christmas thing too because it felt special right like sitting down and watching it leading up to christmas and having the holidays like shown on the screen as they're approaching it was cool it was a cool feeling good timing on that release oh yeah, yeah. all right before i give away my further thoughts on hawkeye we're gonna have some disagreements coming up i i could tell I'm because my uh, number four yeah that is Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Boo. No, I'm just kidding, dude. 
that's a bold move coming from number seven over there. I know, I know. Could have been as high as five on any given day, but like, no higher. This one could have been a lot higher if it wasn't on a weekly schedule, because this did really does feel like a full six hour movie if you really wanted it to be like this could have been an epic of modern proportions if you just kept going yeah yeah this is like giving quentin tarantino the full unlimited time cut and he's like have a four hour version of the hateful eight i'm like nobody asked for it but i guess i'll watch it again yeah it's good <laughs> you know i'm sure yeah and sure, there are some parts where it's just like, oh my god, how did Sharon Carter, who was also betrayed, became the power broker for the Super Soldier Serum? And you realize, you know what, that kind of makes sense. It flows naturally, because if you're going to get betrayed, you might as well do some more betraying. Mm-hmm. Then you have Baron Zemo coming back. He's like, dude, I was a Baron. I have all money. Let's keep going. You see that little scene of Baron Zemo doing the Baron Zemo dance at the nightclub, and that's fun. Yeah, for sure. That whole, uh, gosh, um, what's the name of that area? Like that city? Not Kowloon. That's like the real life one. (laughs) I can't remember. Anyway. Neither can I, but it's like Southeast Asian. Right, right. It's like the Marvel version of it. And then somebody from that area just unsubscribed. No, it's it's not a real place. It's like uh, only f- for that show. It's a fictional, co- made up for yeah. the comic books and brought into the show, yeah. Then we had U.S. agent coming in, and he's like, oh, I guess the government was like, you should return. They went to Sam Wilson, Hawkeye. He's like, I've been picked by Steve Rogers, Captain America, to be the next Captain America. And even Bucky was like, dude, this shield belongs to you. And we just have like this full... Sp- show where it's like a full circle of this shield and it's great like this shield went on a journey it sure did it sure did and to have u.s agent <laughs> kurt russell's son showing up taking the shield the mantle and he's like i know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna bash somebody's head in with it Oh gosh, yeah, that was that was rough. That was rough. It showed every reason why he should not be Captain America. It was just weird. It was like, okay, so as I'm talking about this more, I'm just like, you know what? I'm happy with my places now. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, the government was like, Sam Wilson, you should donate that shield. That shield belongs to a museum. Nope. Give it to U.S. agent because he's a white man. It's the truth. And and I did like that aspect of the show, how they brought up a lot of um, the cultural struggle, you know, for people in this country. Yeah. Like, it gets very real because in the uh, mid-scenes, they have to go to Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And they find this one dude that's chilling in retirement. Oh, yeah. He was also once a Captain America. Yeah. Except nobody liked that. And he was kind of just shunted into the back of Baltimore. Yeah, yeah. Um, man, I, I really probably should have put this higher. <laughs> now that you're mentioning all this stuff, I did. Uh, it's been a long time since this was the second Marvel television show, I believe, that was released on Disney Plus. Um, but yeah, all that was very well done. Uh, and that's what I mean when I said I, I really enjoyed the finale. There's a great speech that Anthony Mackie uh, Falcon gives in that finale episode that like 
just really drives that point home, you know, that, uh, yeah, there should be a, equal rights uh, for everyone. And uh, he, he deserved the mantle. Let's put it that way. Because then you also have like the other villain too, the uh, Flag Stompers. Flag Smashers, yeah. The Flag Smashers, yeah. Yeah. And they're led by this one chick who kind of looks familiar, but you're not quite sure where she's from. And it's just like, okay, the comics of the Flag Smasher was just like one person who was just, you know, felt very strongly about stomping on flags. <laughs> about smashing flags. <laughs> <laughs> Here it's like an actual group. They're like, back during the blip, we had half the population and everyone was free to do what they wanted. And we want to go back to that. And like, that's a reasonable goal. Maybe becoming a terrorist group isn't quite as reasonable. <laughs> good point. Good point. But I can see how you're like, man, it was a little simpler then. Like we had, we did have more resources. Like Thanos' plan worked to a degree and like not the best response to having that suddenly taken away from you, but you know, go ahead smash some flags. I mean, if anyone who thought Thanos was uh, right, then they clearly never heard him rap. <laughs> oh, snap. Oh, snap. Were you about to hear a Thanos rap? <laughs> the only way you're going to hear a Thanos rap is if you go on the epic rap battles of history and oh. check out the uh, Thanos versus Oppenheimer episode. <laughs> because that shit is hilarious. I bet. I, I don't doubt it, man. They do a pretty good job on that show. Speaking of Snap, you playing Marvel Snap at all? No. Keep seeing ads for it, though. So good. Okay. So good. <laughs> and one last thing for... Falcon and Wear Soldier. It is nice that the uh, Julia Dreyfus character shows up mm-hmm. as like Valentina, mm-hmm. Countess Valentina, and she's like in the background trying to pull all together these characters and stuff for like a super secret group. Mm-hmm. They're like, we need you. America has a Captain America, but you can be a U.S. agent. Yeah, on the nose. <laughs> And Captain America's new suit, one the Falcon wears, or Captain America wears. Right. Yeah, that's a very sleek suit. I enjoy that one, dude. It's the dopest thing ever, and it looks like that in the comic books. And the first time I saw it in the comic books, I was like, "That is a that is a slick looking super suit." And the finale where the ending changes from uh, Falcon of the Winter Soldier to Captain America and the Winter Soldier, it was like, "Yep, that's definitely a well deserved show." Yeah. All right. So I think I'm going to stop here for Falcon and Winter Soldier. All right. Cool. Uh, you may have convinced me to move it up, but <laughs> but too too late for all that. I made my bed. Now I have to lie in it, as they okay. say. So uh, moving on to my number three. I'm telling you, people are going to listen to this and be like, "Has he has he watched these shows?" Uh, because my number three is Loki, and. People love Loki. Like I feel like this would be most people's number one. Um, it it did offer some really really cool moments, seeing uh, not Kang the Conqueror, but some version of him yeah, at like the end. Variant. Yeah, the var- the whole variant idea was cool, and the way they, you know, this guy who's like a working some mundane office job at the TVA opens his desk drawer and there's just like a handful of infinity stones sitting there. And it just shows you how none of that really matters when you could control time and go wherever you want through 
the timeline and yeah. uh, eliminate the multiverse or stop it from happening. As and obviously that was very important because uh, after after uh, Loki's made the decision to stop it, uh, the timeline from being so streamlined. I mean, we've got some crazy movies and we've got some uh, crazy stuff on the horizon too with uh, Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania, but. I'm really interested to see what they do with that. That being said, this show, the the downfall of this show, I think, is it suffered from some big pacing issues. Uh, I love Tom Hiddleston as Loki. I don't think there's a fan of the MCU who could disagree that he has he has made himself the only person we could ever see in that role, right? Uh, but surprise, he's not the only person. They brought in somebody else to play Loki, and she was excellent too. She was really, really good as an alternate yeah. version of Loki. But they also brought in like a bunch of other minor variants too. It's just like old man Loki. We right, have crack right. Loki. Just the kid Loki. The yeah, yeah. I, I, I just so that for me, that kind of um, part of the show is where it suffered. Uh, the ending was fine. The very end end of the show where they are confronting the man at the end of time and they make the decision they make. And yeah, the whole he who remains, he who remains. Yeah. Like I was okay with that, but there were some other questionable choices that I just didn't agree with. Uh, the whole portrayal of the TVA and how you're like, Oh, they're bad. Like who are these uh, three beings that oversee it? Well, so they're nothing. They're nobody. They're unimportant. And that was kind of swept under the rug. Cause they're just like a front for he who, who remains, but it suffered from a lot of pacing issues. There was that point where they were on the planet. Uh, and trying to escape and it was uh, about to be you know they went to the time where uh, there was a catastrophic event because they couldn't be tracked right and they go to that planet and it's like it just suffered it slowed down a lot and it was picking up speed picking up speed picking up speed and then it slows down and hits this wall and yes like some people can say oh it has these quieter moments in there but for me it was just kind of like it seemed like they didn't know where to go next and then they end up at the end of time uh and it was just like this odd collection of loki's at the end of time because for whatever reason they're there and still alive but you know you don't run into anybody else there still alive so it, is that because it, like Loki is already predestined predestined to uh, fuck up the timeline? Essentially, it could be that that very well could be. Um, but you know, I, I'm not saying I didn't like the show. I just think that those sort of hiccups kept it from being the cream of the crop, in my opinion. Uh, I really enjoyed the TVA. I really enjoyed Owen Wilson in the show. Surprisingly, wow, wow, and. Yeah, I just uh, there was also what what's the lady's name who was in charge of the TVA? She takes a really big turn to being just like evil all of a sudden, and like I forgot her name too. Right, but that that lady, yeah, that that was very like surprising. Judge. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I guess you know she was she was evil all along to some extent. Maybe not evil's not the right word. Just a very uh, very strong in her viewpoints. And just better at hiding them up until the end, but I don't know. It, it 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 didn't it didn't achieve the greatness that was promised by like the first five episodes, first four episodes of the okay. show, right? So yeah. So Loki is like a solid four episodes, and the final two are just like, eh, they could have been better, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that's how I feel too. It's just like 
We had a strong opening. We were like, okay, Loki, you need to go out and find your other Lokis. Now that's all the premise. And they're like, oh, there's one more Loki, and it's called Sylvie. You yeah. need to go hunt him down. And I fallen. Like, oh, never mind. I did think it was kind of funny, the tongue-in-cheek of, like, Loki can only fall in love with himself. So there you go, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, that was pretty funny. I mean, if you would, I guess you would know yourself that much. Oh, I'd be all about a female version of me, man. I'd be all about her. I'd be like, hey, what's up? What's up, you? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That doesn't work in, like, Alabama. (laughs) It doesn't work anywhere, man. (laughs) But, yeah, Loki is also my number three. Oh, cool. Cool. There are very solid moments. You have Owen Wilson, a traditionally comedic actor. He's literally the straight man trying to keep Loki in line. Mm Mm-hmm. And that works well. His name is literally Mobius M. Mobius. <laughs> right. What does the little name stand for? Funny enough, Mobius. Mo-Mobius. <laughs> yep. The Time Variance Authority is just weird, bureaucratic, 60s style, brown on brown on beige. Oh, it's yeah. It's just like, if there was another boring office setting, this would be it. <laughs> This is what I pictured the 60s. All that's missing is like the orange chairs. I'm pretty sure there was orange chairs in the background. Yeah, no, it was. It very much nailed that aesthetic. As a weirdly retro and timeless style, it's just like, okay, so the modern era is not this sleek, all marble white kind of thing. It's just mm-hmm. boring beige and brown. Right. It really drove home the like boring bureaucracy of it all. That's how I feel, like going to work. You know, yeah. and they 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 did get that point across, like lots of fluorescent lights that are like have a tinge of yellow to them, and yeah, yeah, yeah it's cool. Then there's like the whole Miss Minute kind of animated oh, yeah. character. That was a yeah. fun addition for sure, definitely. And like all the little Easter eggs, like in the uh, erased world that everyone gets sent <laughs> to at the end. There's like a little, like a little Easter egg of like a. A frog Thor just hiding in a glass jar. Yeah, under the ground. And they had the Thanos copter from the comic books, like some 70s comic book, <laughs> like destroyed on the ground was a Thanos copter. I thought that was pretty good. And we had like the most comic accurate costume of a Loki. And it's just this old guy just wearing it too. And it's just hilarious. Oh, for sure. For sure. Like the spandex, the very obvious like spandex on. It was good. Yeah. That guy pulled off a great illusion, though. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But this also does feel like a stepping stone. It's like, we need this show so you could watch these movies. Mm. It's like, I kind of want these shows to be more standalone, but here is a brick, and that brick is going to build a wall, and that wall is the multiverse wall. Mm -hmm. Because we need this movie, otherwise we don't have any timelines. Now I that you bring up a really good point. They're they're additive to the movies, which is good in some ways, but there are a lot of people out there who see the movies who don't watch the shows. And so having them tie in so deeply sometimes it's a little bit too much. Um you know, the Netflix shows, right? Did not I mean, the movies never <laughs> paid any mind to the Netflix shows, but even the shows they did you know, have mention of things that happened in the movies, but nothing beyond a mention. It never impacted anything, right? Yeah, like the Netflix shows, the biggest thing for them, it was the Battle of New York, the Uh first Avengers movie. 
mm-hmm. which makes sense because every one of the Netflix shows is mostly focused on New York City. Mm-hmm. That's it. You're not going to find out in like season three of Daredevil on the news. Oh my God, there's an age of Ultron. Everything's bad. Yeah, right. Oh, uh, Thanos snapped all of a sudden. <laughs> like all of a sudden, like that finale of the third season of Daredevil Kingpin just like disappears. <laughs> so we thought we lost our cast due to budget cuts. Nope, snapped. Right, right. Uh, yeah. I, well, we agree on Loki. If nothing else, we agree on Loki at least. Exactly. Um, Maybe not like my next pick, but no, I. I like all of these. I know what your next two are. I just don't know the order that they are in. Uh, and I know for a fact you don't like my next two picks. So with that being said, my number two is Moon Knight. Um, okay. Yeah, this was the grittiest of all the shows. And, like, you know, if I'm going to fault, like, She-Hulk and Miss Marvel for being a little too quirky for my taste and just being the type of show I don't normally watch, I have to sing the praises of Moon Knight for being the type of show I watch. I like dark stuff, man. I like depressing things. Um, And this show had those elements to it. It didn't, it didn't go too hard in that direction, but definitely dealt with things like mental illness and childhood trauma and how those things affect people. And man, um, it, it is later in the series that we finally get to see what transpired in Mark's childhood but it is the way it's shown, like they don't pull punches. And that was surprising for a Disney plus show. The, you know, people always say, Oh, these shows aren't dark. They're too lighthearted, but like look no farther than moon Knight If you want to see how dark they could get, because it had some, some really like beautifully told points that are just difficult, difficult to watch. Uh, that whole flashback scene where he's, you know, going back to uh, his mom and things like that. It was, it was tough. It was really, really tough. But um, yeah, obviously, Oscar Isaac was great. Nailed it. Uh, constantly guessing who was in control, which you know, which personality it was, and even picking up on the nuances so well that my wife and I were like, "I think there's a third personality there." Like that reaction wasn't like either one of them. So that's how well it was acted on his behalf. But, you know, you did say Ethan Hawke, kind of this general uh, cult leader. And yeah, he was, but he did the most he could with that role. I think Ethan Hawke was incredible in the show and was very much a memorable villain. Uh, I think May Kalamawi was uh, who played Mark Spector's wife, and she crushed it. (laughs) she absolutely crushed it and we got to see her like suit up and go into battle at the end which felt great it felt earned um it was it was good to see that and see her portrayal and her arc throughout and how it dealt with like the underworld and how disorienting the show was at times it made you feel like you were suffering with mark specter because you had those moments where like suddenly he'd wake up in nowhere and I think it's interesting that a show can pull off having that be your avatar into that world. Uh, most shows would have you be just like an om- omniscient viewer, right? You get to see everything take place or they would follow a third party that kind of gets to see 
witness Mark go through these things. But instead, they were like, no, you're going to see this through the eyes of, of Mark Spector himself. It's going to be super disorienting, but it'll all make sense at the end. And they did. They made it work. Uh, yeah, I just absolutely loved this show. To me, it's uh, it's up there, man. It probably could be my favorite on any given day as well. So, uh, yeah, Moon Knight, Moon Knight. I know how you feel about it, so feel free to have a rebuttal. But the, you know, I, I swear I won't be offended. I mean, these are more like these are more positives for Moon Knight. Like in the uh, towards the end of the series, where they're both kind of just on this uh, boat to mm-hmm. like, the Egyptian afterlife. Yeah, and you have the divide of Mark Spector and Stephen Grant into their own person. That's a fun scene. Like, you're paying off yourself, really. Mm -hmm. Then you have, like, even before earlier, where it's just, like, you're talking to a mirror version of yourself, like, in the mirrors. And they're leaving notes, and they're, oh, my God, why is the goldfish dead? I just got it. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, always these little subtle things that really work in its favor. Like, it goes on to the acting ability of Oscar Isaac, where you can pull off, like, a full three different personality sets and you're just like huh that works then you're like then at the very end of the show you just meet a third person named jake mm-hmm. he's like i'm the really violent guy yeah yeah because they they showed that they alluded to it earlier but then in like the fifth episode there's a point where you know he blacks out on the rooftop with the two assassins who are sent to kill him and he wakes up and like Steven's like I, I like Steven wasn't there at that point, I think. Yeah. And he didn't do it. So it was kind of like, oh, like, oh shit, who who was in control then? Like that person's scary, whoever it is, you know, it was cool. And then uh you felt bad for him too, man, when like Steven Grant finds the fish dead or like calls his job and they're like that misses the date with the girl. Yeah. You know, she's like, that was, that was like a week ago, dude. Like, where have you been? And yeah, extremely disorienting stuff. Oh yeah. Everything, even the descriptions, like the visuals of the Egyptian gods themselves, they also work because they are literally like hieroglyphics brought to life, really. Mm -hmm. Everyone has this, has these uh, very exaggerated animal features, like Conchu with the giant beak and Talwet being like literally a hippo. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. I thought that was so funny. Her voice too. She's like the sweetest thing ever. I loved it. <laughs> and he had her avatar being like the scar the scarlet scarab, and he was like, see, the only reason I know that is because I looked it up in the comics. I'm just like, who the fuck is this person supposed to be now? Then you look it up and you're like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. If there's anything these shows have done, it has made me go onto Wikipedia and try to figure out what the fuck is going nice. on here. Nice. Like, who are these characters and what have they done? And you're just like, oh, there really was a person named Leapfrog. Yes, there. I have a comic book with Leapfrog in it, actually. And uh, yeah, he's bumbling, to say the least. But yeah, I definitely agree that Moon Knight is a very solid show. I'm excited for a season two, but I also want to keep it at my number six spot. Yeah. No, hey man, it's all, it's all subjective. Exactly. 
like these Marvel Disney shows are really on just like a league of their own. Mm-hmm. It's not a good league, but it's also not a bad league. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It's peaks and valleys. You get a lot of peaks and valleys in these shows for sure. That's why my number two. It's It's got to be She-Hulk, huh? Oh, my number two is Hawkeye. Okay. Hawkeye is just a really good show. Like, it is Clint Barton brought to a more realistic level. Like, we see how he makes the arrows. We see how he recovers after missions. How he needs, like, an ice pack in, like, half a pharmacy just to get by. Then we have Kate Bishop, the, uh, reluct- the uh, not really reluctant, but the more, I want to do this. I want to be the protege to Hawkeye, even though Clint is like, sure, why not? I guess you can tag along. Just don't fuck up. Accurate. (laughs) Sometimes he's just straight up like, don't follow me. And she does anyway. (laughs) Then you had the Black Widows pop out of nowhere. And they're like, oh shit, this just got real. You need to go into hiding. They're just like, no, that's cool. I'm fine. I got your back. Then you have the dog who just loves pizza. (laughs) Pizza dog, yeah, man. In the comic books, there's pizza dog, too. Then there's the whole kingpin part. Like, that was great to come back. Like, an actual Netflix character was, like, the first reappearance on, like, the Disney plus Marvel MCU universe. And it was kingpin. Just literally just behind the scenes. Wearing a white suit with a Hawaiian undershirt. (laughs) And that... (laughs) is about as comic accurate as you can get for the Kingpin as like a low key trying to not be too overly formal, but still kind of formal. Right. Oh man. Yeah. It was like, I don't know. It didn't seem to be the best tailored suit. Uh, Like they were trying to make him look bigger, I think, or something like that. I mean, understandably the Kingpin himself was like 600 pounds of muscle. And it's just like, he's a big man. And Vincent D'Onofrio's, an equally big man. So they kind of work together. Oh, for sure. For sure. And there's really nothing lowering Hawkeye as itself, but it's just more of like a glimpse of the future because we do have the Echo series. We do have a Daredevil series coming forward. It's just like a sneak peek to what else is coming forward. That just makes it even more exciting. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Um, something I didn't mention too. I really like how they dealt with like his hearing loss. Yeah, like uh, he wears hearing aids. Yeah, yeah, and it makes sense. Like, dude is a human being who you know was around many explosions. <laughs> yeah, if anything, the uh, first Avengers was him literally being in the midst of a dozen explosions. Mm-hmm. The whole way they mixed in how. Kate Bishop came to emulate Hawkeye was cool too. Like the flashback of uh, the battle for New York and uh, how, you know, she witnessed him firsthand, like the stuff that this human being could do these like amazing feats that, you know, Clint Barton was capable of. uh, And it kind of inspired her from there in a very traumatic moment for her too. I mean, it makes sense because Clint is literally the most human like, Mm-hmm. Like he has all this training for archery, but he's still the most human Avenger. He doesn't have like a billion dollar Iron Man suit or a hand me down suit or 
gamma radiation poisoning or literally a super soldier serum injected into his veins. He's literally just a dude who knows how to fire a bow and arrow. Yeah. A ninja who knows how to fire a bow and arrow, basically. (laughs) I was kind of shocked that the, uh, the whole stepfather, Jack, I'm shocked he didn't go full villain because the whole show was like, maybe he's a villain too. And you're just like, kind of. And he's like, I'm just doing it for the fun of it. Huzzah. Yeah. So that sit better with you than it did with me, I guess. Because I did like how they kept you guessing, but it also felt like, oh, he's just dumb. Like that was the reason he wasn't the villain, right? Like, oh, you, you think he's potentially the villain and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, he's just an idiot. Like he's just a guy trying to live his life and right. enjoy it. Right. And he's like, I enjoyed sword fighting. Oh, you should come join us. What do you do? We do LARPing in Central Park. That sounds fun. <laughs> the LARPing was cool. The bringing in the LARPing I thought was a lot of fun and like how he, how uh Clint kind of built this crew of nerds around him, <laughs> like re- very reluctantly, but it was cool. Yeah. It was cool. And they helped uh, make him a new suit, too. Yeah, yeah. They're like, we should really go into these uh, blacks and purples a bit more, don't you think? Yeah, cool suit, too. Yeah. I do like that the all these major, all the major Disney Plus shows, they also bring in, like, little kids to, or, like, younger actors and actresses to potentially fill out maybe, like, a Young Avengers kind of route. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. you have literally almost everyone filling out the roster. You had a future Captain America type and Falcon and Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. You even had like a bonus Falcon type in Winter Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah. You had Wanda's and Vision's kids. You had literally Kate Bishop being the Hawkeye. So everything's just kind of just coming together for like a mini Young Avengers type thing. Not really if, but I'm pretty sure when it comes down the road. I'm pretty sure when. Uh, Miss Marvel, <laughs> right there, you know. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm almost positive it's a it's a when for that. But they did a good job, kind of leading into that Young Avengers, and also leading into the Thunderbolts, as you mentioned, with the Falcon and Winter Soldier at the end with U.S. Agent. Uh, so they're, they're headed that way. Yeah. There have to be just more teams in the Avengers, and the Avengers are barely a team as it is. Yeah, yeah. I don't get the feeling they're still around. Hmm. But I guess this takes us to our number ones, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Can only imagine what your number one is. Well, if you're good at the process of elimination, (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you know what my number one is. Uh, And let me just say, before I drop the title that everybody has probably deduced by this point. Uh, I was a huge fan of the X-Files and Twin Peaks growing up. Uh, And I think that this show did a very good job of emulating the X-Files with like a touch of Twin Peaks, uh, but bringing it all into the MCU. And that, of course, is WandaVision. This was the first uh, MCU Disney Plus show. And I was there every week. Like, without fail, it didn't matter how late I had to stay up to watch it. Like, we, I was there with my wife. Like, as soon as that episode dropped, we were watching it because it was so full of mystery and kept you guessing as to what exactly was going on. And it kept that mystery going for the longest time. 
And genuinely, I had made up 10 different outcomes in my head of what it could possibly be. And none of those outcomes were exactly what it ended up being. Like, yes, I, I one of them was uh, assuredly that Wanda's doing it all because of grief, right? Which I'm glad that that ended up being the reason why, because it also was the most earned reason why. Like she lost her the love of her life and did not know how to deal with that. And you're not talking about a well-adjusted person who went through that kind of loss. You're talking about somebody who was kidnapped at a very young age after surviving a war-torn nation, having her house bombed. Uh, the only person she ever had to rely on was her brother as they were being like tortured and experimented on. So it's natural that there's a lot of trauma there. And then she finally has peace in her life and it's ripped away from her. And she just, it broke her. It, it absolutely broke her. And I think that um, Elizabeth Olsen's portrayal in this show was really something else. Uh, you know, Paul Bettany as well is great as vision. I, I really appreciated that vision versus vision fight at the end. Uh, I thought all the side characters were phenomenal. The whole idea of the town being shut off and the, the true horror of these people having their lives controlled by Wanda and her not realizing the impact that would have until they had that moment of clarity where they were able to actually talk to her and be like, this is terrible. Like this is torture. I haven't taken my dog. My dog hasn't left my house for two weeks because like you forgot to do that part of my life. Right. Like there were, there were things that were brought up in that moment that were like, Oh my God, like she is evil. Like whether it's knowingly evil or unknowingly what she did to that town, like they will never, these people will, these human beings will never recover from that. And the eeriness of having vision start questioning that. And as the episodes went on and on and you start seeing more and more of him forming this idea that like, I need to get out of here. Something is not right. And then him pushing the boundaries of the town only to find people like frozen in time and not moving because Wanda's control was waning. It was just like so incredibly shot and told that man, it it genuinely was unsettling. This almost was a horror a horror film at times, like, and not the kind of horror film that's like, oh, jump scare, jump scare, like gore, gore, gore. The kind of horror film that just makes you feel uneasy watching it. And it's something that I did not expect from a show like this. And I, I really did like from from start to end loved everything about this show. I mentioned when you were talking about the one thing that fell flat for me. Because I am a fan of Quicksilver, and I am a fan of Evan Peters. So Ralph Boner was the biggest slap in the face. But honestly, aside from that one thing, I, I loved everything about WandaVision. I really did. That's understandable. Yes, I agree. Like, <laughs> WandaVision is definitely like a required viewing if you're doing like the MCU-a-thon after like Avengers Endgame. Because that places everything you need to know leading on to Doctor Strange's Multiverse of Madness. Oh, yeah. Like, everything's understandable here. That's why if there's, like, any one MCU Disney Plus show you need to watch, that's definitely, like, a WandaVision type. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, at least the 
back half of one division. Right. You need to be able to see the kids. Yeah. Yeah. Like you have to understand the connection they have going forward. Mm-hmm. That's what moves her along. That's it, what motivates her. I, I thought the most interesting thing is too was um like having Wanda be surprised by some of those things, like the kids growing up fast, like she didn't even fully understand what she was doing. You know, it was, there was such mourning, such loss that like, she didn't fully grasp her powers or abilities. And then taking you on that ride through her history was just really cool to see on, on TV. And um, yeah, it, uh, it was it was a great show, man. Thinking back now, I'm thinking of all these moments where, like, you know, you had Monica Rambeau finally uh, gain her powers, but then you have that moment where she's in the town and uh, almost confronting Wanda, and like you don't know what happens to her. You just see like Wanda expel her basically, and you're like, did she just yeah. kill her? Like what? Like what just happened? Right? And that was a scary moment. Where it was like, you need to leave this house right now. Like, she sees you as the enemy, and this is one of the most powerful characters in the MCU. You do not want her to see you as your her enemy, you know? Yeah, definitely. Imagine trying to sneak into a town where everyone's, like, essentially everyone has, like, this hive mind of, like, I'm stuck doing a drone kind of drone work. And you're just like, but I have a free will. I have a free mind. I'm going to try to sneak in and be incognito as much as I can. You still get caught. It's just like the whole WandaVision TV show is a scary movie when you think about it. But on the front side, you're seeing this through Wanda, and it's just like everything's all hunky dory and fine. But when you dig deeper, you realize everything is not fine. Right. Right. And that's why I also agree with you. It works on this level of horror. And that's why Doctor Strange is like a full on horror movie. Yeah. It's because you have. Wanda unlocked full-on Scarlet Witch mode. Scary stuff, man. A force to be reckoned with, for sure. I still think about that one scene where they're in the alternate universe of, like, some different Earth, and they have, like, this giant Illuminati-like world in Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness, mm-hmm. and where you have, like, John Kowalski of The Office being like, <laughs> I'm Rich- Reed Richards, and I have children. And Wanda's like, does your children have a mother? And he's like, yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't worry about them. They'll be fine. And proceeds to turn the uh, Mr. Incredible into like spaghetti noodles. Yeah. Mr. Fantastic. Yeah. Sorry. I'm doing the comic book nerd thing again. Well, like, uh, actually. Uh, yeah, that was tough, dude. Where he's like, I think, it, yeah, his answer was either like, yes, or it was like, don't. Like, don't do this. <laughs> you know, it was like he knew he couldn't do anything to stop her. He was just like, Wanda, please don't. Too late, buddy. <laughs> Too late indeed. Yeah. Wow, oh, man. That whole movie was just like full of just crazy cameos because you had like Professor X being the Patrick. Oh, yeah, yeah. All the way from the original X-Men movies. Yeah. And it's yeah. just like, Wow. It's so great that my number one movie TV show for Disney Plus is also loaded with cameos. Okay, good segue. <laughs> yeah, for some strange reason, I enjoyed She-Hulk a lot more than everyone else, apparently. I I'll think... give you a hint. Yeah. And it starts with Dare, and it ends with Devil. 
fair. We've <laughs> as we've discussed in the past, like I know you're a fan of Daredevil. We have had this discussion before. It's like, okay, I'm willing to look over the flaws, all right? Like the episode length. These episodes are short, but there's mm. a bunch of episodes. Still they're short. And you're always cut off right when you get to like the real meat of the episode. And it's like, damn, I have to wait another week. Right. Fuck. Then you have like the original opening where it's like, oh hey, some of Bruce's blood kind of just splattered into my arm. I guess I have Hulk powers now. Sure. The whole training era too, that should have been a lot longer. I'm not gonna lie. It's like we need at least three episodes of training with Bruce before Bruce gets catapulted into space and you're just like, well, time to go back to work being a lawyer. <laughs> then you have the main villain-esque or the secondary villain, the background villain, the intelligentsia. Turns out in the comics, that was just like a bunch of really smart villains like the leader and Dr. Doom and Bodoc all coming together and be like, we're going to do villain stuff now on a high level of thinking. Turns out in this show, it's just Reddit. <laughs> right? It's like 4chan. <laughs> yeah. And all they have is like memes of S.H.I.E.L.D. being like, don't be like S.H.I.E.L.D. She's stupid. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. But that's where this show kind of just really kicks it up a notch. It takes that fourth wall and just smashes it open. Literally. <laughs> like... Towards, like, the second and third episode, they start getting people reacting to, like, She-Hulk as, like, actual comments you'd find in, like, real life. It's, like, people complaining, like, I don't have a problem with female superheroes, but they need to get their own hero. I'm just, like, nobody named. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. It's, like, everything works. Like, oh, hey, Wong's in this episode. That gives us episode on, like, that gives this episode, like, Twitter armor for, like, a full week. Oh, that line got me too, because the week prior to that, people were like ripping into She-Hulk on Twitter. And I was like, that's not really fair. Like the complaints that were being made were pretty outlandish, you know, uh, and they did it for the writers to be so prescient, to know what they were putting out there and be ahead of the game that like this stuff was written, filmed and done. And the timing was so well placed with that line or all the, all the social commentary really, because it was like, it was almost as though they had written it that week in response to how the public was receiving it. Yeah, it was good. That was good stuff. And it's like, no, these episodes were made a month, month back. Yeah. And you still have people like, oh my God, they're just writing and changing it now. Like, no, they're not. You're just that predictable. Yeah, exactly. Calm down. Exactly, exactly. And to be clear, like that's not why it was lower on my list. Like I, I'm not, I have no ill will towards She-Hulk whatsoever. Uh, I did like the cameos without a doubt. But um, you know, you bring up some good things too about like she didn't want it, and I thought that was an interesting portrayal. And Bruce was kind of like well what do you mean like you are a superhero now and she's like no no i like my life and the whole name thing uh how she was eventually able to you know come to be comfortable with that name and really like take ownership for herself of it i thought that was neat um really empowering stuff there but i mean yeah, who knew all it took was just another person to trademark your name <laughs> yeah titania she hulk oh, by titania <laughs> 
Uh, that's that was a foot that was a such a lovely opening too because you have normal title card it just turns pink she hulk my titania yeah yeah that's cool titania is just like a fun little not really a full villain villain but she's an annoyance right like a social it media influencer. because this isn't really a serious show it's more comedian like it's more comedy mm-hmm. and that works for this level of villainy because Titania is not really just going around killing people. She's essentially a super-powered influencer. It's like, she's not going to go fight crime. She's not going to go commit crime. She's just going to post selfies and bask in her own level of narcissism and ego and just make money. Yeah, that was the driving force behind that character was just to get more money. And she feels some kind of level of some kind of level of rivalry towards Jennifer Walters as She-Hulk. All because in that very first episode, Titania breaks open a courtroom wall where She-Hulk is already being a human lawyer. All because she was like, what? She was trying to get away from a traffic ticket? (laughs) (laughs) And it's hilarious that she got beat down by like a punch to the crotch and it's just hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. And it set everything in motion, set that rivalry in motion. I feel like that's a very one-sided rivalry, right? But until until the trademark, until the trademark. And they're like, how do we solve this trademark issue? It's simple. She-Hulk is on Tinder. Right, (laughs) right. Oh, man. So you felt pretty good about the whole Wong thing. And what was the lady's name? Um, It was like a Madison. but Madison, yeah. Yeah, Madison with a Y, and it's not where you think it is. That's right. <laughs> Which is funny, but that's like, it's funny, right? It made me chuckle. But this is the type of, this is why it's low on my list. That's the sort of stuff that doesn't, like, I wouldn't seek out a show that is so quirky. Mm-hmm. Um, all the things you're mentioning are great. Uh, it just doesn't hit with me, you know? I, that's I, Yeah, it's not, it's, as I mentioned, no venom towards She-Hulk whatsoever. I did think the writers did a great job of, understanding the audience and understanding what some of the outspoken people uh, would complain about. But yeah, yeah, it's a good pick, man. This show also has like the unique aspect of building a world beyond superheroes because you have people who custom make like superpowered outfits. You get people complaining about superpowered outfits Mm -hmm. malfunctioning. (laughs) Goddamn leapfrog. He used jet fuel. This is 100% jet fuel, baby. Oh, I did not say that. Fuck. <laughs> right. Case dismissed. Yeah. Oh, there you go. The law and order sound effect. <laughs> another thing was the, uh, another minor thing, but it just works, is the uh, custom hero shoes, like the Iron Man 3s dropping. Oh, gosh. Oh, that's right. That one dude was like a sneakerhead. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. And you see like a closet of all these shoes and there's all like these little superhero cameos and that's just hilarious to me. It's just like, oh my God, just pick and choose what superhero you want to find. Just like, okay, there's a Deadpool, there's a Spider-Man, just like... The Avengers. The Avengers, yes. Uh, The whole knockoff black market of (laughs) superhero gear. Right. Then you have like Titania, sorry. 
Then you have Jennifer Walters' parents themselves being like literally the most understanding parents. Like everybody goes to prison. Don't worry. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's like before we had like parents being like, well, Tony Stark, you suck. I'm going to go get killed now. Well, Bruce Banner, I'm going to be abusive and just disappear now. What was the cousin? Thor, yeah. lose your powers. You're going to Earth. So you can get disappeared now. <laughs> what was um? What was the cousin's name too? Like Chad, right? Like cousin Chet. Cousin Chet. Yeah, cousin Chet. He's a DJ. <laughs> One of the things about this episode I enjoyed was uh, because I've only watched this show only because for the Daredevil. Like I've anticipated each episode being the Daredevil episode. Well, they kept you going for a while. I know. <laughs> then, like halfway through, I was like, "Oh, hey." Right after we tease the uh, Daredevil helmet, here's a wedding episode. I'm just like, motherfucker. <laughs> they even have like a nice little in-game. They're like, oh, weddings always happen the most inconvenient times. Yeah, no shit. It's right now. Right. Where's my Matt Murdock? They, yeah, they like showed his helmet, right? That's right. They showed a... Uh... She went and got her superhero outfit, and they like alluded to Daredevil being there because he was like packaging up a Daredevil suit. Yeah. And you're like, "Oh, this is it! Next episode, baby!" And he didn't show up for like two or three more episodes. Man. Then we had the finale. If there's an ever a show to really break the fourth wall, this is it. It did because halfway did through that. the descent of madness for jennifer walters she's like you know what this is my show fuck this noise let me just punch out to the disney plus screen then sneak my way into the making of shang chi and just hop on the background to like marvel studios and just try to find what's going on yeah which leads her to the writer's room for she hulk and they're just like what if season two was just a dream and we're going like i want to speak to kevin Oh, you want to speak to Kevin? No one speaks to Kevin. I will kill you before you get to speak to Kevin. That's how much I love Kevin. It was very like Wizard of Oz, you know? It was very much behind the scenes. Oh, yeah, and yeah. It was She-Hulk marching up to Kevin's office, and you find out Kevin is just a robot like fucking GLaDOS from <laughs> Portal. yeah. Just dropping down, and it has that little sun visor where it looks like a ball cap. Yeah, right. It looks like the the baseball hat that Kevin Feige always wears. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, you know what? Let's do some changes. Like, make it daytime. Why is it so dark? And uh, bring in Matt Murdock, too. Yeah. She's like, a woman has needs. <laughs> <laughs> then when you actually cut back to the TV show, everything's fine. You have daytime. Then literally... Daredevil drops from the middle of nowhere. Like he just got fucked <laughs> up and just dropped. Right. Right into the grass. He's like, yeah, I just jumped from a three-story building. Yeah, there's none of that nearby. I'm in a forest. And everything's fine. This is great. I didn't have to do anything. Right. Yeah, I mean, like, She-Hulk, really powerful, can literally change the fabric of her reality, apparently. So very interesting. It's like the only reason Shield is high on my list is literally the number one spot is only because of Daredevil. That's pretty much it. But I am happy with how they portrayed Daredevil with it. Yeah. It's just like he would be in the comics. He's both dark and comedic. Mm-hmm. 
like watching the Daredevil series on Netflix, sure, it's a little bit more darker than we're used to, but there's also tones of comedy hidden inside. Yeah, he was always really witty in like his response to everything in that Netflix show. There were moments where you do laugh. Uh, it's not all darkness in that uh, Netflix show. And, uh, you know, it was cool. He got to fight She-Hulk and like held his own for a very short period of time. <laughs> for a very short period of time. Um, but I enjoyed seeing him again. And I enjoyed seeing Charlie Cox as Daredevil again. Because uh, it'd be weird seeing somebody else in that role. Yeah. And this just makes me more excited for the uh, Daredevil Born Again coming out in like two or three years. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to that too. And Daredevil video game when? Right? Sure. We just have to dig out like the old GBA ROM for that one. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's like, let's make a new one. He deserves a game. We know this to be true, Chase. He was both of our number ones, right? In yeah. that list, when you came on my show, like he was both the, the superheroes who most deserve a video game. Both of us had Daredevil as number one. I could not believe that we chose the same guy as our number one. I mean, it's bound to happen. There was only like like four different superheroes who didn't really have their own video game at the time. I guess, yeah, yeah. I mean, what were we going to say? Uh, the Great Lakes Avengers? <laughs> oh my God, what do you do? I play as Mr. Immortal. What does he do? He just survives <laughs> right it's like nathan drake yeah he doesn't do anything what do you what do you do you avoid bad marriages <laughs> right so what i'm playing is like a reverse dating simulator where you play as mr immortal <laughs> yeah. yeah you don't really fall in love you just kind of find ways to get out of love right <laughs> i'd play that game i'd play that game if it's on the steam sale i'd probably pick it up if it was like a Flash game on Newgrounds, I'd probably play it. Right. We covered the entire Disney Plus Marvel shows. We ranked them from our lowest to the low to the highest of the highs and everything in between. Even though our lows aren't really that low and our highs are definitely not that high. But everything's really like a fine line of like nitpicks. And thank you for coming on this show, Ryan. Yeah, man. Chase, thank you again for having me. Uh I I love PlayCube Gamecast and uh you know thank you for coming on my show in the past and uh thanks for having me on for this particular one you know I I I enjoy making lists so uh it seemed like the right right list for me to make and I always enjoy the opportunity to talk about something that's not video games cuz I do that all the time on on my show so I I appreciate it man Hey every time I'm willing to break out of this thing I'm just like you know what we can talk about more stuff too it's great yeah, yeah. I, I always we talk about getting into movies and shows on on uh, list off, but we've yet to do it, and I'm starting to think that we may never get into it. Oh, I mean, there's always just time to break out. Yeah, for sure. Maybe we gotta find like some random TV show to talk about. Like nobody expected the PlayCube Gamecast to talk about a nine-hour documentary of the Beatles. Right, right. <laughs> it was a good show, though. Good episode for sure. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll be like, "Hey, top ten Law and Order episodes." <laughs> uh. <laughs> all right. So, please tell all the listeners who don't yet know where do you come from and what do you do. So, yeah, I have a now uh, 
every two weeks we release new episodes of the List Off podcast. Uh, my, me and my co-host Brian, we talk about vid- lists about video games. I mean, anything from the top three superheroes who deserve their own game, starring Chase of Playcube Gamecast, to the top ten soundtracks and everything in between. Uh, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts at List Off Podcast. We're on Twitter, Instagram, social media. We're all over the place, man. Uh, I I hope you tune in. I remember one of my favorite episodes of you guys was the uh, top ten video game magazine covers. Oh, that's a fun one. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, all I know is the Game Informers. What are what's going on here? Oh yeah, there's only like a handful of mentions for the Game Informer one. Just like, oh yeah, that makes sense now. There are other magazines. Yeah, Game Informer has some incredible covers, but we did try to vary which magazines we picked from, right? Because it very easily could have been a whole lot of Nintendo power on a whole lot of Game Informer. But still, you should definitely check out their show. They have a more structured list than what we did. Maybe. It's it's about the same, <laughs> to be honest with you. It's a good I'm time. The experts. They've been doing this for about two, a little over two years now. Yeah, yeah. I think we and I, you, we both, both have like shows that started around the exact same time. I think so. Yeah. I think we probably have been running about the same amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. I think you were the first one that reached out to me, actually. I think you were the first show that ever reached out to us. So thank you. Thank you for letting me know there were other people out there. Anytime. It's always nice to build up and be able to collab with other podcasters like yourself. A hundred percent, man. A hundred percent. Because sometimes you'd be like, Jimmy, you need to watch these shows. I don't want to. <laughs> Fine, I'll go find somebody else to. Right. The best part is I already I have already seen them all. So yeah. Exactly, because you and me both, we've been watching these things week by week when they dropped. Yeah. Cause they're exciting. They're just like, oh hey, there's something new coming out. Yeah. And I don't have to pay anything extra to go watch it. Exactly. And I'm always looking for the next good show to watch, you know? These are easily digestible, all of them. But I think that's it for this episode. This was Chase on the Playcube Gamecast. You can find us on all the social media, mostly Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, sometimes Twitter, sometimes even TikTok too, but mostly on Instagram. And that is it. Have a good night. Bye. Bye. Thanks, man. We'll be right back.